Good morning, Praise Fellowship. Hi, honey. Um, what a sweet time of worship this morning. Can I just say there's something about these men leading the charge in worship in a world where, where men are, are being crucified for being men and being masculine and leading the homes. And here these men are up here leading the charge in worship. It is so humbling. It is so beautiful. It just, it was wrecking me this morning. <sighs> okay, so as AJ already said, I'm Tammy. Um, and usually when I come up here, I like to give you like a little known fact about myself. I'm going to run out of these soon, I feel like. <laughs> but um, today, this little nugget is I took five years of French. I love the language. <sighs> I wish I would have taken Spanish as well, but I... I almost minored in French, but I wasn't willing to stay another semester in college waiting for them to offer that class. Um, but yeah, so I, I love the French language. It's beautiful. And that's, that's a fact for you. Um, <clears throat> before we get into the word, I just want to pray real quick. Father God, would you come? Would you open our hearts to receive your word? And like AJ said, let it be like a double-edged sword, God, piercing through bone and marrow. Father God, cutting through whatever it needs to cut through this morning to bring your light and truth and freedom. God, we just ask that you would have your way. We thank you, Lord, for being in this place. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your redeeming blood. Amen. So this morning, so you can hear my voice is a little, a little sketchy. We're just going to ignore that and move past. I've been dealing with some, I don't have any idea, some laryngitis or something. So you'll have to pardon me if I have a little cough. I don't know. I felt fine. I just had something going on. So we're not even going to worry about that. Um, <clears throat> But today I want to talk about something that might be controversial. Um, I know in the, in the, out in the world, the topic of identity is really under attack right now. The enemy is fiercely pursuing, attacking identity of both Christians and non-Christians alike. And see, if we get our identity from the world, if we even get it from other people, from other Christians from our surroundings, from our circumstances. We're not going to be able to fully carry out the call of God in our lives. You know, when I think about this topic, I think about the Israelites. And it might not be what first comes to your mind when you think about identity. But when I was um, really diving into this topic and I felt like the Lord was placing these things on my heart, I I just thought about the Israelites, and I thought, man, they wandered around in the desert for 40 years when in Deuteronomy, Moses was recalling the whole thing, and he was saying it's an 11 days journey that took the Israelites 40 years. Because why? Because of their disobedience. Because they didn't go take the land that God had promised. They were too scared paraphrasing the whole story, but it was like <clears throat> the spies that came back, some of them were like, we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes. 
They were giants. They were huge. We couldn't possibly take them. <clears throat> and, <clears throat> pardon me. And so they, were, they refused to go take the land. And the Lord saw that as disobedience, which it was. And so they had to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. I feel like, you know, disobedience is a symptom. It's not a root cause. I think about, I wonder if the root cause of their disobedience was a lack of identity or a misplaced identity. See, they were as slaves for many years before, and they couldn't possibly see themselves now as the holy nation chosen by God set apart for him. They couldn't really receive that identity, which led them into disobedience and sin. See, when you don't know who you are, when you don't know whose you are, you are much more likely to walk in sin and disobedience. It's like the Israelites. Because I feel like they didn't fully understand that they were God's chosen people. They continually chased after false gods and idols. Because if you don't know who you are, you will fall for anything. I became a Christian at 18, and then I had an encounter with God around the age of like 25, 26. I'm not even like sure I'm so bad at dates and times, but around about that area. Asia and I had been married for a few years, and um, my spiritual father and mother at the time had encouraged us and taken us with them to the Toronto outpouring. And it was at this conference at the Toronto outpouring that God encountered me in such a special way that it rocked my life and changed my world forever. I just remember lying on the floor, and it was the end of the speaker had done speaking, and nobody prayed for me. Nobody said anything to me, but God just, whoom, I just was on the floor, and I was lying there on my back, and I remember with my eyes closed, I remember seeing Father God, and he started, he called me, first he called me by the name that my earthly father had used to call me when I was a little girl. It was a very special name to me. It was my little princess. So he's starting to call me by name. He's starting to um, develop that identity within me already in this encounter. And then he starts tickling me. That doesn't sound like God. Listen, God does whatever he wants. I don't know. This is, this is my story. He tickles me in my belly, and I'm laughing hysterically. I can't even barely breathe. I remember just thinking, Lord, if you don't let up, I don't know, I'm just going to die of lack of oxygen. Like, and I remember seeing in my mind's eye, that vision of Father God laughing at me laughing. You know when you're a parent and you tickle your kids and then they laugh and it's so contagious and hysterical and it's like you're bringing them joy so you laugh too? Like and now everybody's laughing? 
this is what God was doing to me. He was restoring my identity. He was restoring my original purpose. And I was seeing him as father. That's what I needed in my life. I needed to see a gentle, kind, loving father who just came for no other reason than to give me joy. And then I saw him full of joy and laughing just because he was giving it to me. I needed to know that that's who my father God in heaven was. And after that encounter, I, um, I was changed forever. And I knew from that point on that I was God's daughter, that I was a daughter of the king, and he was my father. That was many years ago. And since then, Satan, of course, has tried to come in and tell me lies about my identity. And there have been times I've, felt I've fallen for it. There was a time once for about eight months where I really was ruled by the fear of man. I was trying to get my identity from the people around me. I was trying to get my identity from the world, from Christians, from people. But then in, in a moment, out of desperation, I cried out to him, and in a moment, he came and restored my identity, and he reminded me who I was. Because, see, sometimes we forget. I was like the Israelites in that moment. I had forgotten who I was. I didn't know I was falling for a lie of the enemy but I remember feeling trapped and miserable and being like, God, you've got to take this because I am dying inside. And like a good, loving father, he did. He came and he restored to me that identity. See, because my identity had, given to, had been given to me already, but I had stopped believing that for a season. And I was believing the lies of the enemy and God has to be our true north because what he says of us has to be what guides us, not what anybody around us says about us. They might say really good things about us, but that is not where we get our identity. They might say really bad things about us. Again, that is not where we get our identity. Because what you identify as is marked as truth in your life even when it may not actually be truth. Because it's what you're believing. And that's what's happening a lot today with so many of our young people, so many of our children and teenagers. They're believing lies from the enemy about their identity. Because the world's telling them, you can be whoever you want to be. Right? The world's telling them, well, if you were born a man, but you feel like you're a woman, that's okay. Don't you think that grieves the father's heart? It grieves his heart so much. Because he has called them to be who he's called them to be. He has created them perfectly in his image. And he does not make mistakes. See, Satan knows the power of words. And he knows the power of identity. 
And he knows that if he can get you to question who you are, and he can actually get you to identify as something other than what God has created you to be, then he can enslave you in a prison, in a world of bondage, and you can never see the true fruition of what you are, your destiny was in the Lord. He knows that. We as Christians, we cannot get our identity from anyone other than the Lord. So who does God really say you are? This is, this is a topic that maybe some of you have believed. It is not my personal belief. I know that in some Christian circles and in some, I don't know, places, they will, as Christians, identify themselves as sinners instead of saints. Christians who have been bought and cleansed by the blood of Jesus are still walking in the bondage of calling themselves sinners. See, I don't believe that that is what God calls you after you have come to him and you have given your life to him and you have made him savior over your, your world, over your heart. See, we know the perception that we have of ourselves. It will determine how we live out our lives. The doctor, the late Dr. Adrian Rogers said, the me I see is the me I'll be. And if we see ourselves as just sinners saved by grace, then why would we expect to do anything other than sin? If we believe our identity is such, wouldn't it just be more likely for us to sin? Because we're already identifying as that. A sinner saved by grace is only half the gospel. It is not the full story. See, scripture tells us these things. We are holy and righteous. We are a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, sons and daughters of God, royalty, being perfected, seated at the right hand of God, co-heirs with Christ, and a new creation. How then, if we live with the mentality that we are sinners and inherently sinful, will you be able to become free? You're living in bondage, and you may not even realize it. You think you're giving... Um, Praise to the one who has set you free, but in, instead, there's this invisible bondage that's wrapped around you that's saying, but you can't be holy and righteous because you're just a sinner who was saved by grace. I looked and looked and looked through many versions of the Bible, and nowhere could I find that phrase. I don't know who came up with it, I'm sure it was well-intentioned, but somewhere along the way, I feel like if we have attached ourselves to that and we continue to call ourselves by that name, I don't believe we're truly fulfilling the call and destiny in our lives in complete freedom of Christ. 
So <laughs> I have this. Andrew, do we have a clip or we don't? We do. So I have a clip here. Here, we'll just watch it, then I'll talk about it, because it's gone. Yes. One, yes. two. I can't. I can't do it. I'll never make it out there. Destiny. No. I've got the world's most powerful pair of glasses. You've got the world's most powerful pair of glasses. I will be your eyes. You can be mad. But the, but the, but the walls. There are no walls in the ocean. No walls? It's your destiny, Destiny. Well, why didn't you say so? Destiny, wait. No, that's a wall. Wall. Oh my gosh, I love that clip so much. You know, I've watched a lot of movies. I love movie quotes. I quote movies all the time. And I feel like if God's speaking to you through a movie, God can do any, you know, he can do anything. He can speak to you through anything. And I just, I watched this clip and it's of a nearsighted whale shark named Destiny. Many of you might be familiar with this movie. Um, and she believes she can't see to jump a wall to escape a tank into the open ocean. And she's held back by the belief that there are walls in the ocean. And how can she ever live and thrive in a place like that? But she didn't know she was created to live in the open ocean. When she's told that there are no walls in the ocean, <laughs> contrary to what she'd been believing her whole life, it frees her. And she's like, well, why didn't you say so? And then off she goes. I just love that. Because he's like, it's your destiny, destiny. Man, that, I don't even care. That speaks to me like, Lord, it's my destiny to be free. It is my destiny to be who you have called me to be. And I feel like, though, sometimes as Christians, we can be believing that we're just sinful wretches, lowly worms, even after the blood of Jesus has cleansed us and set us free, but only to one day come to find out that the realization that we are actually royalty and heirs of God. And then they're like, well, why didn't somebody tell me before? Why didn't you just say so? <laughs> right? Because if his blood can't make us holy and righteous, then why did he die? If his blood can't cleanse us from our sin, why did he have to suffer? Because if you've allowed Jesus in your heart and you've repented from your sin and you've asked Holy Spirit into your life, you are a new creation. The old man has died. The difference now is how you look at you, not how God looks at you. He looks at you after the cleansing blood of Jesus has come over your life, and he says, you're a new creation. You are holy and righteous. You are worthy. How do you see you? Sometimes we have a hard time with that. Well, I don't want to touch the glory of God. No, you're not. You're just walking in what he's called you to be. Because the Bible tells us the sinful man is dead and we are reborn. That we are no longer slaves to sin and sin no longer has power over our lives. It is no longer the master that we have to serve. I'm going to give you a few verses and I, I might go uh, rather quickly because we're not going to put them up or anything. 
and you might not have time to um, look them up in your Bibles, but if, if you're a note taker and you want to write the verses down, I can give you time for that, but um, we're just going to go over them a little, a little fast. Romans 6, 6. And these are, this is just a tip of the iceberg. I could not. It would just be pages and pages and pages, I feel like, of um, verses where God speaks identity to his children. But these are just a few that, that I felt like I wanted to um, bring up today. Romans 6, 6. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. We, we are not a slave to sin. We are not a sinner just saved by grace. We are a saint. In 1 Peter 1, verse 1, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and it's his spirit has made you holy. Nothing you can do, nothing you can strive to do, it is by his spirit that makes you holy. In Galatians 4, 7, it says, Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Man. He is the almighty, righteous one, creator of heaven and earth. And he calls me his heir. He calls me holy because of the blood of his son. See, his strength trumps your weakness all day. All day, his strength trumps your weakness. And we are being perfected. We are not claiming to be um, never sin. We are being perfected. And God does not call you a sinner saved by grace. He calls you a new creation made holy and righteous through his son Jesus. I'm not claiming to be without sin I, and to never sin. I'm claiming to not be a slave to sin and not get my identity from the mistakes that I make. If you want to turn to 1 John chapter 2, we're going to read, oh, well, this one's not very long, but you can turn there if you'd like. We're going to read verse 1. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. See, this, this is an interesting verse. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if... Anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. His name is Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Do you notice in this verse, it is saying if you sin, not when you sin? The expectation here is that, oh, I expect you to sin and when you do. No, 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 no. It is if anybody does sin. Because, see, you are no longer under the power of sin. If you've made Christ, your, if you've made your heart Christ's home, 
But if you sin after that, it's because you chose to and now you need an advocate. Before you needed a savior and now you need an advocate. And that advocate is Jesus Christ, the holy and righteous one. We're gonna go a little farther in um, 1 John and we're gonna turn to chapter three now. And you can put this one up. We're gonna read the amplified version because I, I love how it goes a little deeper into the meaning of, of the verse. So if you, if you wanna flip there or scroll there or turn there or however to get there, just read it up on the, up on the screen. 1 John chapter 3, verse 6. No one who abides in him, meaning who remains united in fellowship with him, deliberately, knowingly, and habitually sins. No one deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin. No one who habitually sin has seen him or known him. What, I thought we were just lowly worms. Thought we were just sinners, groveling around at the feet of Jesus. This verse is saying that, that no one knows him or see, has seen him if they were habitually, daily, knowingly and deliberately practicing sin. Verse 7 goes on to say, little children, believers, dear ones, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil and takes his inner character and moral values from him, not God. For the devil has sinned and violated God's law from the beginning. But the Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. So no one who is born of God deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin. Why? Because God's seed remains in him. And he who is born again cannot habitually live a life characterized by sin because he is born of God and longs to please him. Wow, that's, shoot, I'm free just from that. Like, you know, when you first become a Christian, you're like, I don't know, I'm gonna keep on sinning, I'm doing these bad things, they're not pleasing to the Lord. But here it says, if you've been born of God, born again, knowing Jesus, God's seed is in you. And now you don't have to be a slave to sin. You don't have to habitually live a life characterized by sin because you long to please God now. That new creation in you is longing to please the Father. See, we cannot normalize sin. If we are a Christian, sin should not be normal. It should not be something that we continually every day be like, ah, I repent, Lord, I'm sinful. I was so bad today. I sinned today, Lord, again. Next day, oh, Lord, forgive me, I've sinned again today. This, is, this verse is saying this should not be normal. This should not be habitual. See, because if we allow it to be normal, how can we truly be freed from it? In the New Testament, there's a story about Jesus and the lost sheep. 
And I kind of referenced it this morning for that song. And in the parable, it talks about if you're a shepherd, I'm just going to paraphrase. If you're a shepherd and you, you have 100 sheep and you lose one, aren't you going to go after that one? You're going to leave the 99 and you're going to go after the one. And when you find the one, you are going to celebrate. You are going to be so excited. See, Luke 15, chapter 1 says, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Do you know what that's saying? That's saying not everybody is sinning all the time. There were 99 righteous persons who didn't need to repent. They weren't habitually sinning. Why don't they need to repent? Because they weren't knowingly, deliberately, and habitually practicing sin in their everyday lives, and therefore Jesus did not call them sinners. He called them righteous. See, I don't, if I identify myself as a sinner, I feel like I'm telling Jesus that what he did on the cross wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to cleanse me. It wasn't enough to make me holy and righteous before a righteous God. I don't claim to be without sin. I just claim that it is not my new identity now. Mm -hmm. If we receive what Jesus did on the cross for us, we will live out our new identity, which is what? Holy and righteous. A kingdom of priests. A holy nation. Royalty. Sons and daughters of God. Being perfected. Seated at the right hand of God, co-heirs with Christ, a new creation. We need to pursue holiness and righteousness at all costs. And now we can do that without shame because we know that we're not going to identify ourselves by our mistakes. When we screw up, when we fall into sin. For that eight months when I was like an Israelite, forgetting my identity, well, that was sin to God because I was I was following the fear of man. It was ruling over my life. But I still wasn't claiming that I was a lowly worm. I was still holding to the belief and the truth that the Bible tells me that I am. Which is being perfected, seated at the right hand of God, co-heirs with Christ, a new creation. I wasn't going to let that mistake identify who I am. I feel like maybe some of you this morning need to get that. You need to hear that you are not identified by your mistakes. It is not who you are. You are a royal priesthood set apart for your God. And it is a mistake that you made, but it is not who you are. So right now, I just, I want to pray for you. I want to pray that if you've been struggling with identity, if you've been struggling with really even grasping these things, even after 
you've come to know Jesus and you're like, I just, I don't know that I can believe God that you call me holy and righteous. When there's this thing in my life that, that's really enslaving me. When there's this thing in my life that's really trying and pushing hard to identify me. And it's a sin. I just want to speak freedom over your life right now in the name of Jesus. I want to speak peace and love over your life. I want to speak the identity that God has called you a son and a daughter, that he has called you a new creation, no longer a slave to that which is trying to keep you and hold you in bondage. And I just break the chains Whoa, right now, in the name of Jesus, of sin over your life. We just break the chains. We break the lie with the, we break agreement with the lie that, that we've been believing that says, we can't get free from this thing, and I guess it's just who I am. We break that lie in the name of Jesus right now, and we say, God, would you call them higher up? God, would you call them by name? Would you call them by their new name, their new identity in you? That they are a royal priesthood. They are royalty. That your son did not die for nothing. That your cleansing blood covers them and covers a multitude of sins, God. Love covers a multitude of sins and you are love. We just break that off of you right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father God, for speaking to our hearts this morning. I know that, Lord, this message can be controversial to many, and I just pray that they would seek you out in this word, that they would, it would make them pursue you and go after your heart to, to have them ask you, Lord, God, is this true? Is this who you really say I am? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for every heart watching, every heart listening, every heart that's going to listen, God. And we just proclaim freedom over their lives. In the name of Jesus. The body of Christ is so beautiful. It is so beautiful. And it's even more beautiful when they walk in the right place. The right place given by God. Man, just imagine what the church can do if we really believed our true identity. We would be unstoppable. Satan could no longer come and, and harass us to the point of cowering us down, making us back down. Lord, would you give us that courage? Would you give us that boldness, Lord? I thank you, Lord, for courage and boldness over your people. I thank you that when we speak truth, Lord, it cuts to the hearts. I thank you that when we speak your truth, Lord, it is a light that cannot be quenched. It is a light that cannot be put under 
like a blanket. It cannot be put out. Your light cannot be darkened. It dispels darkness by its very nature. I thank you, Father. Lord, would you bless everyone watching and every person in this room, Lord. Would you bless them as they go out this week, Lord. Gird up their legs and give them strength to do what you've called them to do. I thank you for them, Lord. Thank you, Father God. And I just go out and be blessed. That is all I have for you this morning. It might have been a lot. <laughs> but God is so good. So have an amazing day, an amazing week. And we hope to see you back next week.